Being a mother is an attitude, not biology. An unknown writer once said, if you give me any three words, I'll write you a story about my mother. Story is in our DNA, and of course, so is she. We gathered stories from men and women in all walks of life. Stories about the ones we have, the ones we are, the ones we know. This includes stories about stepmothers, godmothers, grandmothers, birth moms, foster moms, the mom up the street. It includes stories about not being a mom and stories about mothering in other ways. No matter how you slice it, if it's not one thing, it's your mother. Hi everybody, I'm Lupe Padilla Mitchell. I'm a life coach of mothers and families and a mother of three adult daughters. I'm Katie Mitchell, actress, writer, storyteller, and mom of a teenage son. Hey, you guys. So normally we give you a little insight as to what the show's going to be about, a little teaser, if you will. Today we're just going to tell you about our writer and then jump into the show. So here we go. Linda Freund is an award-winning multimedia reporter, a filmmaker, and an aspiring novelist based in Barcelona, Spain. She previously worked as a senior video journalist for the Wall Street Journal. Hi, Linda. Hi. Welcome to the show. Thanks. It's great to be here. Tell our audience where you're coming from. I am calling in from Barcelona, Spain, where I'm living with my husband and five-year-old son. Yay. Yay. (laughs) (laughs) We found you on Medium. Yes. And we loved this story. We haven't had a mother like yours yet on the show. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. That's why you stood out. Bonnie is definitely singular. I love that description. (laughs) Bonnie's still alive, yes. Yes, she is. Uh, We we write daily, so she's still alive and very up to date on our latest adventures uh, living in Spain. Wow. That is one of the great benefits of the 21st century, isn't it? It really, it really is. She will often joke with me that sometimes she feels closer to me than my sisters who live practically down the block, just because the text message can have that sort of veil of intimacy, mm-hmm. right? The regularity of it all, yeah. for sure. Mm-hmm. Totally. I would love to just jump in and read the story and then talk afterwards, because sure. I'm sure there will be so many things to talk about once your story has been read. Okay, I'll go right for it. Okay, great. Thanks, Mom, for the Magic Mushrooms, a story about my first trip. When I was 15 years old, my mom gave me a gift. It was a gesture of love that was custom-tailored to my then-wild ways. This shit is potent, Bonnie said, opening a Ziploc bag full of magic mushrooms. It smells like shit, Bonnie, I replied. She'd been Bonnie since I was in diapers. Never Mom. Her orders. The stinkier, the better, Bonnie said. The good stuff is grown in cow dung. I tried to plug my my nose, but the faux diamond piercing in my nostril made the attempt futile. Surely Bonnie saw her own insatiable hunger for life and the vices that accompanied that disposition in me. And with that understanding, she became the parent I needed, not the one society or even the law demanded of her. Bonnie sat barefoot and cross-legged on the shaggy carpet. She poured the bag's contents onto a TV dinner tray. The tray was accented with Victorian roses and lilacs. Most nights, there was an overcooked, hungry man TV dinner on top, the corn kernels covered with a peppery film. At this moment, the tray hosted a mountain of mushroom caps. Nutritious and delicious, I wanted to say, but I kept quiet, so I didn't disrupt her focus. I wanted these shrooms. I longed for adventure. 
I crave the promise of chaos followed by the gift of wisdom. I had this special strain of urgency, the kind only an adolescent can possess. Try everything once was my mantra, or more specifically, try everything once before I turn 18. Thank God I had a Bonnie to help me on this quest. Bonnie pulled out the excess stems and clumps of dirt from the shroom pile. She worked fast. Her fingernails were painted the color of midnight. She took a break to stroke our pet iguana. Iggy usually lived in the bathroom, where he was perfectly positioned to scare house guests when they peed. Our very own reptile surveillance system. But for some reason, Iggy had been out on this particular day, munching on lettuce near Bonnie's workspace. Clad in a black cotton shirt, which hung loosely over her shoulders, Bonnie divided the shrooms in half. Her hair was dyed the color of raspberries and formed a chic helmet around her skull, thanks to a cocktail of thick styling products. Her eyes sparkled with an intellectual intensity, surely fueled by the stacks of literature and poetry around her. In our home, there were piles of books where most people had furniture. As a child, Bonnie ate her pablum with a silver spoon. She had tasted the best society had to offer and was turned off by how plastic it all seemed. In her 20s, she escaped the East Coast suburbs in search of fellow artists and seekers. She found solace in the glow of San Francisco's Golden Gate Bridge. There she met Willie, my dad, together, two misfits on a mission to preserve the soul of our species. I came soon after. I was still covered in gunk from her womb when Bonnie and Willie whispered Buddhist chants into my newborn ears. So naturally, Bonnie considered it her motherly duty to give me my first batch of hallucinogenics. Remember, if you freak out, tell yourself it's only the drugs, Bonnie said. I nodded. She put half of the mushroom caps back into the bag and handed it to me. It's only the drugs. Say it with me, she urged. We repeated the phrase a few times together. Bonnie went on to warn me there was a difference between hallucinogenics that can be used for mind elevation and the harder drugs like heroin that can imprison the soul. She reminded me of the time she almost overdosed after snorting heroin. She was rescued thanks to a friend who was smart enough to give her some strong black coffee and multiple cold showers. I'd heard the story since I was five years old, but it sounded different now, more relevant. Later, when the mushrooms had entered my bloodstream and my skin was buzzing like a machine, later when I cried over the innocent beauty of a balloon, of all things, later when I was utterly convinced that one of my legs was shorter than the other, I remembered Bonnie's words. And when I did, I looked at my legs and laughed like a conqueror. Oh, how I loved my Bonnie at that moment. I took the mushrooms at my friend's house just one day following Bonnie's pep talk. I limped into my friend's kitchen, even though I knew it was only the drugs and one leg really wasn't shorter than the other, it sure as hell didn't feel that way. The sound of Spanish telenovelas seemed to sprout from the apartment walls. My friend's home hung over Albion Street near 16th and Valencia in San Francisco. The neighborhood was lined with family-run taquerias. This friend of mine was no doubt a seasoned shroom tripper. At one point, she was off having a conversation with her broom. I figured it was best not to interrupt her journey, so I sat at her kitchen table and took some deep breaths. That's when I saw it, an untouched chocolate cake. It was smothered in dark frosting and it was glowing. What on earth was it doing on the table? Was this cake meant for me? 
In school, I had read about Native Americans who would go on vision quests and encounter their spirit animals. Oh my golly gosh, was chocolate cake my spirit animal? There was only one thing to do. I stuck my bare hands into the middle of the cake, shoveled up its innards, and jammed the decadence into my mouth. I pressed it against my tongue and swirled it from cheek to cheek. This, I thought, is why they call this devil's food. I felt an electricity throughout my entire body, as if I could sense each and every molecule. I was the chocolate, and the chocolate was me. It's a sensation I would never feel again. There's nothing like your first high, Bonnie also told me that day, bent over the TV dinner tray. Don't spend your whole life chasing it. Promise me, she said. After a long pause, I replied, I promise. No, really promise. Because if you do, that's how addiction begins. I promise, Mom, I said. And I meant it. 20 years later, and I've kept that promise. But oh, man, how I love chocolate. <laughs> oh, my God. God, it was really hard while you were recording not to, for both of us were like smiling and having to look away from each other. We didn't want to interrupt your reading. It's just so funny. That is hysterical. I know. Thank you. I love Bonnie. Yeah. (laughs) And she's been Bonnie, you know, since the beginning. It's just like since the beginning. She is Bonnie. Yeah. Bonnie is interchangeable with the word mom in my mind. Right. So. Uh huh. I had a grandmother who refused to be called anything that remotely sounded like she was a grandmother. So she mm-hmm. chose the name mom and I had a mom. So it was very confusing. <laughs> <laughs> so what would you do when both of them were in the room? Um, well, that only lasted a few years. No, because she was my dad's mother. But um, in the same room, we started calling my mother mama ah. and my grandmother mom. But referring to her was where the nightmare started. You know, you'd say to your brother, oh, my God, did you hear mom, blah, blah, blah. He'd think it was my mother. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. And all kinds of insanity ensued. Yeah. So I love that. Bonnie was pretty clear. And by the way, we called my mom Dottie from early, early years, but not as early as you, (laughs) you know. And and somewhere around the time we were doing drugs with her too, but that's not for <laughs> that's not for this well, episode, is it? It sure is. <laughs> totally, so totally. Is, this a, whoa, 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 is this a common thing? Like people do drugs with their mothers? And I no, think- I don't think it's a common thing. <laughs> is, number one, for one, it is not. We we had a story with uh, someone else who who mother introduced them to drugs, and when I read the story, I didn't have any idea. Like they were talking about in the kitchen and cooking mushrooms, and then there was hash. I just thought it was breakfast. She literally thought, and I couldn't understand. Katie later, but of all her stories, she sent three. Which one was your favorite? And I told her which one was my favorite. And then she goes, "You didn't like the one where the they were in the, the drug yeah. story in the kitchen." And I'm thinking, "Oh my gosh, I forgot to read one of the stories." I went back, and I'm like, <laughs> "It's not." Like hash for breakfast, it isn't mushroom. <laughs> right. The smell in the kitchen isn't what I'm thinking the kitchen smells oh like. God. Not only did her mother not do drugs, she's never done drugs. I mean, it's just. <laughs> I have to say uh, that would have made a really interesting omelet. <laughs> the mushrooms of the hat. The mushrooms of the hat. Funny. And, and my mom was not Bonnie in, in any way, shape, or form. My mom, I, I will just briefly say, somewhere when she was around 45, 
She started dating a 24-year-old boy, and he turned her on to some drugs. And mm-hmm. there were a few holidays in a row <laughs> that were um, delightful. <laughs> 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 with her drug experiences. Right. They they felt the true holiday spirit, if you know exactly. what I mean. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah. There was a moment where I ran into her room because I suddenly could feel my epiglottis for the first time in my life. We were doing we were all imbibing in something. Mm-hmm. Hash, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, or something. And I I could feel my epiglottis like completely. I was sticking my finger down my throat and touching this flap of flesh that I had never been able to feel before. And I was sure I had a tumor. (laughs) And my mom said something along the lines of, it's just the drugs, but not exactly Mm because she was also an escapee from a Tennessee Williams play. So it was much more dramatic than that. (laughs) To me, that's really interesting. The ability to sort of create this suspension of, of time and pause for a second and separate what you're currently facing, this reality, from what may actually be happening. And that can be so beneficial later in life when you are you have some sort of gut reaction or you're easily angered about something. And if you can just elongate that moment of freedom where you say, maybe not, it's only just the drugs, but oh, maybe it's only just my own personal yes. bullshit and baggage creeping up. You can like lengthen that freedom moment. That's yes. exactly what I was thinking when you were talking. Well, and then it, it makes your mom, it makes your mom so wise yeah, yeah. to have given you that little tidbit to take with you through life because it is a pure drop of wisdom in, in well, this other thing. It's yeah. the whole, you know, this too shall pass. Yeah. Yeah. I also just, you know, I, I talked to her about this recently when I made the choice to publish it. I just wanted to make sure that, that she was comfortable with that because it definitely was a, a brave uh, thing to do. Mm-hmm. And maybe not everybody would would agree with it. You know, mind you, she only made that choice for me. Uh, she had a very different dynamic with my sisters, and part of that is she was the mother each of us needed in our own way. Um, so I don't think she ever uh, would <laughs> offer my sisters, you know, a pound of mushrooms <laughs> to to do as they may. Were you the um, oldest, or the, but where were you? Yes, I was the oldest. I was the oldest, or I still am, actually. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. We are right. This is yeah. really happening. Um, but but yeah I just I just find it really um really very intriguing I love that she was mothering uh, each daughter differently Lupi has three girls also and and she does that and I'm not going to speak for you but it's something that I'm I'm wholly impressed with in parenting when a parent chooses to see that recognize it and then proceed accordingly. Absolutely. You know, there's no signature parenting style, and and I understand that more now as a mother that there are all these blogs I can look to to try and help my son cope with this or that. But at the end of the day, it's about recognizing who he is, what his voice is, what his interests are, and what resonates with him. And I just, it's not one size fits all. And and. Uh, yeah, when you're finally a parent and completely confused about why A plus B doesn't equal C, even mm-hmm. though Dr. B said mm-hmm. E, mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> um, it helps to recognize that um, for sure. It was interesting. I was just going back to the conversation with with my mother ahead of pushing this out. Um, I think because she saw so much of herself in me and she thought about from a young age, what she wished her mother had done for her mm-hmm. um, and a real, like a void and a real gap in that relationship. 
she she wanted to make sure if given the opportunity that that she would be present for me in a way her mother wasn't yeah so how how old were you with the uh with the mushrooms yes with the mushrooms 15 15 Mm -hmm. okay so did she have an idea that you were probably going to dabble and she thought okay let me because a lot of parents i mean i know a lot of parents think if they're going to do it, I'd prefer them to do drugs in the house or marijuana in the house or drink in the house. It's, you know, mm-hmm. I, you know, I lived in, in the San Francisco Bay Area and um, I'm pretty sure she was aware that I had been sort of dabbling in marijuana and, and alcohol. And I remember my friends and I would go to Hate Street and we would collect all of these trippy postcards Right. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think mushroom jazz was very big and there were a lot of promotion, uh, promotion heavy (laughs) postcards out there that I could just kind of stick on my bedroom wall. And I think (laughs) for a teenager, though, I can't speak for all the bedroom wall really becomes the point of communication. What is your teenager choosing to hang up there? And I, you know, I can't really honestly tell you how it came to pass. I don't remember explicitly saying to her, Hey, I want to try mushrooms. Will you help me out? Mm -hmm. Um, I just don't remember how it all started. I just very vividly remember how I felt in that moment and how she offered it to me. Um, so, so I'm imagining that that bedroom wall with all of these kind of trippy pictures of mushrooms, maybe clued her into, to my interest or my leanings. Hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, so you can totally understand where she was like, okay, you know, I I have a feeling this is coming down the pike and I'm just going to take some of the mystery out of it all for you. Um, Right. Or or set you up for- Set you up um, for how to, you know, you're going to do this. Um, Yeah. Honestly, I think it's part of the parenting skills. I mean, I've done that a little bit. I'm not tooting my horn because right now we might lose 40% of our listeners when they hear that this is how I parent. But- um, (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, my kid is 16. We were at a wedding, at your daughter's wedding in August. He's got all of his cousins are older. So one of Lupe's, Lupe's youngest daughter is just a few years older than my son. And what, she wasn't going to get my kid drunk at the wedding? Of course she was. So I thought, I'm going to step in here and parent before this happens and just say, look, you're welcome to drink at the wedding. You know, you're going to be, there's no driving, you're with your whole family, we're celebrating, we're all going to be drunk. Certainly (laughs) seemed hypocritical for me to say, you can't drink. So I stepped in and I said, okay, here's some rules, hard and fast. Don't mix colors of liquors, you know, (laughs) you don't want to mix here. If you are going to vomit, go over, you know, make sure you're drinking water in between. I literally was parent, trying to parent his first, what I perceived to be maybe one of his first, you know, drunk episodes. Um, Mm -hmm. And of course, you know, it got away from me. I noticed he was doing way more than I had sort of, you know, laid out the rules of how to drink without vomiting. But, uh, you know, he was, but at the same time, how do you teach somebody to party responsibly? Like what, do we honestly think that our children are going to grow up to be adults and not do that? Do we want their Mm -hmm. first experiences to be when they get to college? I mean, why do we think people have these alcohol poisoning deaths Mm -hmm. at as freshmen in college, because I guarantee mm-hmm. you their parents weren't teaching them mm-hmm. some responsible mm-hmm. way to do this is, right. you know, yeah. I, I'm not no. saying encourage your child who's not interested in drinking at all to drink. I'm not saying that. Yeah, no, I still remember very clearly the orientation week at my university. Mm-hmm. I went to NYU and uh, I remember at that point I had already sort of 
had years of kind of experience with um, different substances and, and sort of choices. And I remember getting there and there was just a level of mania um, mm-hmm. amongst the students. Um, a lot of dangerous choices, a lot of passing out, a lot of, a lot of vomiting. And I think part of it was um, uh, an appreciation of that, that freedom, right. That uh, yes. release from, from the parental <laughs> chains. But at the same time, I just almost wanted, I didn't, I took a step back. Maybe I wasn't quite mature enough yet, but I almost wanted to just put myself in the position of like the big sister or the shaman because yes. man, you know, like yes, people. And I just, I, I, it was a time when I, um, when I realized, uh, you know, just how, I want to say lucky, but um, just how happy I was that I had had a lot of that early on and got it out of my system. Yeah. Right. And with some guidance. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you know, um, with my girls, you know, we drink wine, we have tons of parties, we have things going on. It's never um, been keeping alcohol out of their hands. Uh, 24, it was never a, a huge goal of mine. You know, we would I'd make them mimosas while we made uh, Thanksgiving dinner for the entire family, you know, on Thanksgiving and things like that. And when they were teens, it was mostly orange juice. And then it, it got cut back to a normal mimosa. But the biggest part that they learned about um, when they did something is the responsibility they had for themselves and the responsibility they had the next day. So I didn't, I didn't uh, coach them on how to drink or what to drink. I knew if they had, and the next day went on like normal. So they had to get up, they had to do whatever chores, we had to do whatever we had to do. And I, I called that natural consequences. Nothing would change. I didn't care how horrible they felt. I didn't care. I mean, let me tell you, I'd have some 17 year olds being like, Pull, pull, mom, please, please just pull over. Just, just pull over, man. Just, and I'm like, let's roll. And I wouldn't yell. I wouldn't scream. But they better mm-hmm. rally like nobody's business. Because mm-hmm. your choices, you're going to pay for them. And my mm-hmm. girls paid for their choices. It, it's hysterical. They will tell you stories about <laughs> having to rally. Because they didn't want to, they, they're not going to, you know, crumble and die because that's not even a choice for me. Um, yeah. <laughs> they'd be in yeah. more trouble for crumbling and dying. They were responsible for their choices. <laughs> you know, I just, I think it's really interesting. We're able to kind of openly as, as three women have this conversation now about whether it be drug experimentation, alcohol, mm-hmm. um, and, and really parenting and, and essentially minors and their experimentations with this. And I think it's really a testament to what's happening um, politically now, the climate with the legalization of marijuana, Mm -hmm. with, I mean, campaigns revving up in Denver and Oregon to decriminalize mushrooms, basically, for their therapeutic um, possibilities or potentials. I mean, it's just, we are far, far from the time of Nancy Reagan, the war on drugs. I think it was in maybe first grade. And I remember hearing just say no, as an out of sight, out of mind, hammer it away. And it just... I think people are coming to a new consciousness. They're realizing that just doesn't work. Well, it, and- it makes it more attractive. I mean, every time, every boy my mom ever said, just say no to, <laughs> he was the one I wanted. You know what I mean? Yeah, right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Why not? Yeah. 
<laughs> he's got something so delicious. I can't even yeah. look at it. I'm well, like, you know, <laughs> we're here in California, so you can just go, you know, you're 21 and you can buy pot and a lot of different strains and things. And um, my- This from a woman who doesn't do drugs, folks. I just want to remind you. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, my, uh, my concern with today, and, and two, I know my youngest is uh, 21. But I know a lot of people her age when you used to have pay a doctor 40 bucks to mm. get a card and all these kids would go pay kids. I mean, you know, would go pay $40 and be like, he gave it to me for my anxiety. He gave it to me for this. They have no business doing uh, marijuana from the moment they wake up. I mean, mm-hmm. that is that is mm-hmm. the problem there. That's the biggest problem I see that it is a constant if you have anxiety, then go really deal with your anxiety or get some skills to learn. But just to mm. suck on a suck on one of those vape pens is not going to serve you. And and they have mm. them in their back pocket. Well, just like if they were drinking from the first moment but when they were the, exa- awake, you would be exactly you'd, you'd have be concerned. To say about it. Yeah. But no one mm. sees that in California. No- Parents wake up mm. and vape as soon as they wake. I mean, what? And I and I'm using vape like I'm cool. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know if that's what you do. <laughs> She's but, read things. <laughs> oh, no. And, and in another episode, I will I will tell the time, the, my very first time with uh, pot. Edibles. She'll Edibles. Tell you about. <laughs> like literally like in December, I lost my mind. But anyways, um, uh, that's a different story. <laughs> but but anyways, but it is that. It was that only is- the drugs. <laughs> exactly. It was <laughs> only the drugs. And by the way, the whole time you were saying that story, I couldn't have eye contact with her because she went through an episode I, where uh, her, okay. her husband had to say, it's just the edibles. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he did. He goes like, Lou, listen to me. I'm like, I have to go to hospital. But to go back, but to go back to the point of it is amazing that we can sit here and that we're having this conversation because we're in the real world and this is real life and this is what we should all be talking about and not pretending that just say no is something that works. Okay. No, but I think your points are very interesting. Everything in moderation and yeah. not using um, some sort of uh, like your mother substance. said, yeah, yeah, some sort of prescription as a way to maybe justify what is drug abuse. Anything can be abused. Yes, right. Anything, um, whether it be overeating or or over smoking, taking too many hits to start your day. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. So, so I think um, the fact is, though, having it all out there and having these kind of relationships uh, between friends and families where even entering the conversation is not something so risky that you have to closet yourself, right? That yes. drugs have reached a point of acknowledgement and recognition that you can then begin to more freely, more readily discuss these things. What are your choices? How much are you consuming? Like, what does it mean to you? How is it helping you? How is it harming you? Like, where where's the joy in it? And then also, where's the risk? So Yeah, well, and, yeah. and, and like Lou just pointed out, you know, Bonnie said this in in your story, <laughs> you know, of giving you those guidelines of if this is when you know you've stepped into danger zone, and this is when it's just a high. Yeah. You're just- but I have to say, there are still some days where I'm walking around. I'm like, is one leg like shorter than the other? <laughs> like, was I, 
<laughs> I, I know it was just the drugs, but I'm like, did I pick up on some like micro difference? Right. Between- exactly. Was my awareness heightened? And that yeah, is exactly. the truth. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. That is so cute. Well, listen, we have loved having you on. I think this has been a really great conversation. Oh, this is a great and, conversation. and we adored your story. Oh, thank you. It was great talking to you. And we're crazy about Bonnie. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I just hope you'll be back because I also loved oh, the piece you wrote you. about your son. And I think you've got some really interesting perspectives as a mother raising a child in another country. I think um, I'd love to have you back to, to read one of those. Oh, I'd love that. And I, I love the concept of your show. I think it's going to go very far. It's everyone has a mother story and everyone has a craving to hear mother stories. Right. You know? Because we're we're on this planet together, and let's let's share our stories and help each other through, so that we can all rise to some higher level than we've been operating on for so long, you know. And open up conversations, and this was a great conversation opener. Great, and I hope our listeners um, go ahead and take uh, this conversation to heart <laughs> and uh, share it with a friend. I just got scared. <laughs> I thought you were saying, "I hope our listeners <laughs> just get high, try <laughs> mushroom. discover mushrooms." <laughs> Mushrooms and teach and their hash. children how to cook them. Mushrooms and hash aren't just a breakfast item. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And on that note. <laughs> well, thank you for joining us. Thanks. Bye, guys. Bye. Bye. Okay, that's the show. And to find out more about our writers, go to our website, Instagram, or Twitter. If it's not one thing, it's your mother. And that's the number one, not the word one. Want to do something to help us? Go wherever you get your podcasts and subscribe, rate, and review us. Five stars would be nice. You can say something complimentary because you know what? It really does help other people find our show. And also share us with a friend because word of mouth is the best compliment. Join us next week.